Home is where the energy vibrates at a level that meets you or inspires you to take another step up or forward. My granny always used to say, when they come to take me home, I want chariots and white horses. So going... Which, Go granny. Which Get it. I hope she got. Wherever we're going, we're going home. We came from somewhere and that's where we'll return. Hey, this is Grand Exit. Conversations starting conversations about living, dying, and living on. We're sharing real talk on the life-death legacy continuum now, so we don't wait to the end to talk about what matters most. Enter here if you intend to be remembered. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Grand Exit, the podcast. You're here with Tamitha and Chelsea for the last deep diving conversation of our very first season. This one's about home. In this episode, you can expect to hear shaky voices and sniffles alongside joy, clarity, and power. We're discussing what home means, what where has to do with it, and where it fits with living, dying, and living on. Let's dive in. When I say home, what comes to mind for you? What immediately comes to mind is the song that my whole family and Pete's whole family walked down the aisle to at our wedding called Home to You by Sigrid. It speaks of home and a room with my favorite view. And when I first heard it, well, one, I burst into tears. I was like, I think we found the song. And two, it reminded me of of the room with my favorite view, which is my grandparents' living room that has, has windows, but it doesn't really have a view. It's where we all looked at each other and engaged with each other and shared some incredibly powerful moments over 20 years. And actually, when I played the song first for my mom and Court, I said, what does this song remind you of? And they both said, Granny and Papa's living room. So it so strongly evoked that, that a sense of home has come through so strongly for all of us to be the same place. And you? We moved as a child so many times that it was always people to me because the house always changed. The location of the home was changing but the people inside never changed until we adopted my older brother. Then we got a new, a new person, another face to look at. And I remember as a child being very sure that as an adult, I would never move. And that has just not been my experience. It's amazing when we outgrow our dreams, isn't it? It has been uh, the exact opposite. But when I think about home, I definitely think about Vermont, which It's funny because I have no relatives who are from Vermont, so I cannot ever be a Vermonter. And yet I will always call Vermont home. And for me, like your grandparents' living room, that room in a home is a farmhouse we owned when we lived in Vermont. And it makes me very sad to think that we no longer live there. And yet there are people who go their whole lives without a dream house. And I got one. This farmhouse was built in 1850, and uh, we went through many years of renovating it. And in the new kitchen, we built a banquette, and I had to have a banquette because my granny's house had a banquette, and that's where all important family conversations took place. And so that is my happy place, is that banquette of that farmhouse. (laughs) 
it's May 2022 right now. And in a little more than a month, you'll be returning to Vermont. Mm -hmm. Can you share how you got to California Mm -hmm. from all of these memories we've been Mm -hmm. engaging with about Vermont? How you got to California? What what made that the right home for the decision set that was upon you Mm -hmm. when it was and how you decided to return home to Vermont and why place actually might matter more than we're giving it credit. Thank you for that, that question. So I get asked that all the time. Like, well, if you love Vermont so much, why did you leave it? (laughs) You love it so much. Why don't you marry it? (laughs) If I could, I would. (laughs) Then you are a Vermonter. (laughs) That's right. So after I was finished almost with treatment, there were a couple things going on. One was that John at that point had a job in Boston and would Treatment be one, yes. Yes. Would be returning to normal work, which was for him going into Boston for three days, two or three days every week. And I knew I didn't want that anymore. I also knew at that point I wanted us to be closer to Uh, where the rest of his family live in Arizona, and my family live in Washington State. And so I knew I wanted us at least all on the same coast. There is an element there, of course, that we were in a small town, and I was tired of being the town tragedy. I wanted to be where nobody identified me as having cancer. I just had really, really short hair, and no one knew why. And to finish my living at the beach, there was something about finishing my living next to the water. It's been a really hard adjustment. I feel like I've always been able to find my people anywhere. That is the gift of an army brat. I just haven't been able to do it. And you also spent half your time in a pandemic, which didn't help. But LA's a perfect place to go to not be noticed. <laughs> exactly. You did a great job picking That's that. Right. No <laughs> offense, LA. It just has never felt like home. Maybe five months ago, Harper started talking about really wanting to do her senior year of high school back home with her friends back there. And as soon as she started talking about that, I was like, this could be an option. Like, we could really do this. You know, like at first I was like, I'm not going to have my child do for, you know, high school in different locations like I had to do. But as soon as she was like, yeah, totally. I was like, all right, let's do it. We can turn Johnny around a couple more times, spin him around. Let's see where we land. I think that's how he feels. So we're going, you know, John is very, very fortunate to be able to work remotely. And so we feel lucky in that way. My work, I'm still able to work remotely. And so I'll continue doing that. It's been a process of downsizing for us for many years. And so now you'll find me on the weekends in my garage going through my um, stuff making sure that we're only traveling with what we need back to a place that I truly believe is where I need to spend my last days and where I know my child will be parented um, after I'm gone by people who share my values about what's important in life and what's not so important. And I know my husband can get on his walkabouts. How are you feeling about the move? Totally excited. I mean, I could pack a suitcase tonight and just move back, honestly. And you just might. (laughs) I I just might. I'm feeling that good, actually. (laughs) 
for me too, house seemed really important to home and, until it didn't. I grew up in North Miami Beach and our house was where everyone gathered who we loved the most and it felt really important. And then our parents got divorced. We were at summer camp and my mom moved and she sent a picture of a house she found in Davie, Florida, which never really felt like home. Our school felt like home to me. The adults there made me feel mm. more me and the culture there made me feel more me than I felt in the schools before. And so I felt growingly at home in my experiences. Then we moved again across the street because no joke, that house was haunted. So we moved. Yeah, we flyered the neighborhood and we moved across the street. And it all felt like it really mattered at the time. Mm -hmm. And our stuff really mattered. Mm -hmm. And now we don't need, where is that stuff? And I still feel that way when I think of where I feel the most alive. I think that's where home is. And of summer camps, people say like you're home away from home or of special places. And I think that's true because of how safe and you, you can feel in a space. Not only am I preparing for a move, you are also preparing for a move to a new home. I didn't even realize how important place was. I am speaking out of both sides of my mouth in this episode, <laughs> but I didn't realize how much how much place played a part in my happiness. I guess I, I guess this is consistent with what I said prior because mm -hmm. it is a vibrational thing for me, but damn, I miss New York City. I moved to New York for a dream second job and thought I will love this job as an as a brand strategist at an advertising agency. I wasn't intimidated by New York, but I certainly didn't get its allure. You know, I'll just trudge through to work with the best, smartest people at the top of their game. And at a time that, you know, I'm so flexible and totally unencumbered and hungry to learn. And I'll just like tough out the parts in New York City and I'll get all the experience. and I'll be able to take that experience somewhere else. The joke was completely on me. And New Yorkers know that. You know, they're like, yeah, yeah, you should leave. Make room for someone else who will pay the rent. But uh, yeah, I just fell madly in love. I really thought in those first few months, this is no place for someone to call home. And 10 years later, almost, I left like politely not kicking and screaming <laughs> because I supported my partner who got a fellowship in Philadelphia, which is not that far. The biggest pro for our time in Philadelphia for us is its distance relative to New York. So we treat it like a suburb of Brooklyn. You know, there's a lot right about mm -hmm. Philly. It just, it's not home. Mm -hmm. And it, we, it just became so obvious so quickly to us how important it was to be in a place that felt right enough, even just for right now, to start to plant roots. My husband took a job at a private practice in orthopedics in Denver, and my family always dreamed of ending up in Colorado. And I don't have to tell you that, you know, you dream of things for the future and you don't realize how fast the future comes. So I'm, I'm really excited to move to a place that has the possibility to affirm our values and allow for us to create community and start to give back in a place we're invested in. And and start anew. And I, I'm not 
naive enough to think that's permanent when people are like oh you're moving there for forever i'm like lol what is forever forever? like we're moving there until we don't want to live there anymore Mm -hmm. until something better presents itself we might move and hate it we're moving there for now i hope we don't i think we'll love it and we are running towards the prospect of being in a place that can hold our homeness Mm. The concept of home isn't bound to a house either, Mm -hmm. right? Like home is where your people are. Home is where your experiences are. And home is where the energy vibrates at a level that meets you or inspires you to take another step up or forward. The phrase at home in your body, I think it's an interesting that we choose to use the word home to reflect many different feelings. When I think about the concept of home in our body, the way we use home, home relative to the spaces we inhabit, it's interesting because all of those things feel contained, like the things that encase us, yeah, the space we fill. But like when I feel the most at home, I could bust out of any of those spaces. <laughs> I remember the shift in college between I'm new here, these are people I'm trying to connect with to like, these are my best friends and Honestly, like, yes, I have a great memory for experiences, so I can remember the spaces. But if I told myself enough times or looked at enough pictures where we like superimpose a different background, I would have believed myself like that we were in a different space because home was fully in the energy we were exchanging at that time. And it really didn't matter the space that contained us or even the bodies we were in at all. So that is incredible because when we think about another way that people use home is going home or home going in the black community, right? Like as a funeral. So my granny always used to say when I, when they come to take me home, I want I want chariots and white horses. So going, which, go granny, which Get it. I hope she got, that's incredible because then it, it, it sort of opens up the possibility that that's exactly what happens in those moments when we go home, when, if that's what you believe, right? That, that you're, you break out of the confines of traditional home and your body and all of it. And the energy exchange is vast. Like, I hope so. I really firmly believe that. Mm -hmm. But I offer those who don't, either way, you're going home, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like ashes to ashes. Mm -hmm. Or Mm -hmm. you came from the ground. That's where you're going if you choose to go there. Whatever. There's, there are so, there's a matter of so many choices and more and more and yay to the innovations in that space. But Harper's asked um, that my ashes be turned into a diamond for her. So. And you know what? I, we can do that. She yes. can do that. Yes, exactly. But wherever we're going, we're going home. Mm-hmm. We came from somewhere and, and that's where we'll return. We once held a conversation, a live interactive session in beliefs on what happens Mm. after death in listening to it back and and reflecting back to those who shared what we were hearing were phrases like, well, I don't know, but like 
<laughs> qualifications around levels of certainty. And we're like, yeah, yeah, no, we know you don't know. <laughs> we don't know either. And keep going. Keep going. And so many manifestations of wanting to be right or needing to say, we're not experts, but, and we just kept, la- we had to laugh about that, right? We know you haven't been there and then come back to tell us how it's going probably in full, right? You can't like map it out. We get it. We get it. And it was a group of probably like between 15 and 20 people. Yeah, I would say about 20 people. And there was a woman there, O'Neill of Baha'i faith and my mom of all kinds of faith. (laughs) (laughs) She's an alchemist. Yeah. And Jenny, another Mm. incredibly poetic Mm. woman. And then, and quite a few others. Uh, But those three, for me, left an indelible mark because they painted such a picture I believe that like Liberace is in the middle of this blue room with a baby grand piano and a gorgeous chandelier and people are singing and playing and dancing and only the goodest people get to go. I kind of think of heaven as like a spectrum, like heaven and hell being far or close to God. And basically like hell is kind of just that distance from God and not having kind of developed and learned all the things that you needed to learn in this life. And it's almost like a child in the womb who is developing their physical arms and legs to be ready for this world. I think of this world that we live in here now as preparation for the next realm. And right now, instead of getting our physical arms and legs, we're getting our spiritual qualities and our attributes ready to use in the next life. I definitely have a vision of a playground. And part of that is because I also have a vision of reunion of, you know, I have a cousin, uh, Kelly, who was killed on the night she graduated from high school. I see lots of different ages reflected in a playground. Just as you're walking by, you see lots of different ages represented. And in my playground, pets are allowed. And so dogs (laughs) dogs would be there and everyone's just playing. I definitely think that it's sort of a, almost like a bus stop like where you're like a playground is sort of the the waiting area. I like to believe that I get a chance to, and maybe time passes more quickly than, than it does here on earth in my playground, but I will get the opportunity to make sure Harper's okay for however long that means. I can't leave here thinking that I'll never know. I have to leave here knowing and believing that I'll get the chance to know somehow. Um, so for me, that's just me like swinging, we, you know, watching things go by in Harper's life. And then maybe you go on, you know, your soul sort of gets to leave the playground and you go on and do your, your next round, um, or your next bit of work. How about for you, Chelsea? Yeah, for me, and I borrow many beliefs for this, but my sibling and I share this one that will return to a cloud. And that others are like our people are from that cloud. And then there there are others of our people here terrestrially that are on family friend clouds, like Mm. friend clouds that float nearby, but like clearly we're wired differently and we need each other. And it's important we float together, but like source is cloud. And it feels like if we're here, it has to be down here, right? Like it has to be something above. I, no one's talked me out of that. And (laughs) that we return to cloud when we die and we wait for others. Like it's a big cloud family reunion. And then we start 
just having so much fun with it because why not? Why wouldn't you? Like it's, <laughs> it's if a we're, cloud. Right. If we're like rewriting everything, like let's do this. Right. Let's live this up. And on the cloud, we're like, well, how will we recognize each other? Because we won't be in our bodies and actually names are, are for the, like, I'm not going to probably be Chelsea again <laughs> next time. I imagine like I do believe in reincarnation. That's probably a disclaimer that's required to understand, to begin to understand the cloud, the, cloud, <laughs> the factual telling of the cloud. But then it gets more fun because it's like, of course, we'll recognize each other because we're inextricably linked. Mm, Even if this is yeah. the only lifetime that we were down here together, like we found each other. And that has to be some sort of wild miracle mm -hmm. to have such an impact on just this one and that we keep dropping back down from the cloud until all of our lessons, all of our soul's lessons are learned. And then we have an option to no longer be at that level in the cloud. And then we get stuck in the, I don't know, because our imagine the, we have wild imagination after the we, cloud. We start to like hit our limits <laughs> and it's like imagination can't, ours can't push further. We can think really big, but only big enough to imagine the cloud. And then we're like Truman Show. And we're like, but then you knock up against someone's the watching from a different place on the cloud. And then where do you go? And we haven't quite figured that out yet. So you're going to have to come back for season That's two. season two. Yeah. <laughs> So part of what I think has come up as you and I both described, not only what feels like home to us, but then sort of our anticipation of these, well, my old home, your new home, but home as, as we're running toward it, are words like safety, interconnection. Aliveness. Aliveness, community. Did I say connection already? Yeah. If mm. you did, then it's <laughs> worth saying twice. But I hope, you know, as I was sitting here listening to you talk and just thinking about what those words are, I think we both hope that that's what listeners have found here this season, are those feelings of home, the feelings of connection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. The feelings of whatever makes them feel at home. Those are our values, right? right? Like, we'll venture to say... If you're on episode 10, you either randomly clicked here, in which case, welcome, <laughs> welcome. for Grand Exit. Or you've been here and you chose to stick around for however many minutes you've been willing to, to show up for us and for, more importantly, I would hope for yourself. For yourself and the people who you hope remember you and, and how you want to be remembered. And that that's really been the foundation from the start that I remember pretty early on, Chelsea, that we said everything we do will be in service of legacy. And so that's what we hope we've created here is the space where that can flourish. This has been my saving grace. It's made me feel less alone. I don't even know what else to say, but thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Actually, this is what home is, where only you really know what it feels like, you know? Mm. Like when you look at a picture of the moon, it never really looks like how it looks. No, I always tell people, don't don't bother taking a picture of this right now. It's just not look at it. It's not going to come out. If you're just not going to, unless you were in it, like underneath it, in that moment, you're just, you're not going to capture it. Mm -hmm. So it's not that there's no use trying. It's just that there's no no use pretending like it's the that a replica harbors the same essence as the real thing. So sometimes we would hang up in 
are conversing. Because for us, Grand X, it was just me and you in conversation for a long time yes. before recording this. And I'd hang up and it was like, there was almost, it's the opposite of don't take this advice, everyone, but it's the opposite of why we do this. But it was almost like I didn't want to share it with anyone because there was no use in trying to capture the exact essence of what you and I just shared with anyone else because mm -hmm. it was like, they won't know what it feels like to be at home in my home because it's not their home. But then it was like, that's the point. We're not asking like, remember Tamitha and Chelsea. Cool, please remember us, but only relative to what you do with mm -hmm. what you hear in these conversations between and among us, right? So I would hang up and be like, do I want to share this exact <laughs> recount or do I want to save it for myself mm -hmm. and integrate it and then not regurgitate what we took away, but what, what I was going to do with it. And so it is really what we've chosen to share is what we've chosen to do with it. And I will never be able to quite capture the feeling of being under your moon. If you're still listening, <laughs> thank you for bearing witness to what seems to potentially be our life's work. That's right. And I will never let someone say that cancer gives you gifts. I think it shows you gifts and that mine showed me you. Thank you for being with us for season one. We hope there are many more. Mm -hmm. But even if there aren't, we savor the feeling of being in this first one. Our hope, our intention, our sincere desire is that we've started a conversation. Grand Exit is just that. Conversation starting conversations about living, dying, and living on. And so we hope this one lives on. See you season two. See season two. Thank you for listening to Grand Exit. This season was brought to you by Tamitha Thomas Hasse and Chelsea Leader Gold. Alongside Phineas Ellis and Will Smith of Studio Friends. Grand Exit's look and feel was created by Sarah Wasco with inspiration from their mama. Its existence was powered by 102 donations from family, friends, and others who believed in Grand Exit's vision. Many of them came through the Camp Powerment community where this all began. Special thanks to Grandy, who sent us one another and many signs along the way that we were on the right track. And to you for listening, however far this may have taken you outside your comfort zone. Thank you. If you're enjoying exploring the life-death legacy continuum with us, be sure you've signed up for our newsletter at grandexit.com newsletter. We'll use that as an outlet to share what's next. Season two is coming very soon. Stay tuned on email for when it's ready for you. While you're at it, subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcasts and connect with us on Instagram or grand.exit. And most importantly, share, please share this by starting a conversation about life, death, and legacy with someone who matters to you. There's so much waiting for you there. It's a true honor to get to bring death to life for those who intend to be remembered. And if you've made it this far, that's you. Catch you next time.